Reggie Evans play type. Yes, yes. Yep. He's a present day Jason Maxiel. Like I said, present day Jason Maxiel. <laughs> Did you hear anything? Belichick's going to become the oldest coach, supplanting Tom Coughlin, who was 65 when he beat the Patriots in Super Bowl 46. And there it is. The dynasty continues. Sean McVay with a great season. Just ran into a tough one today. Physical game. Two physical teams. Who do you like for MVP? I like Julian Edelman. Tracy's in there. And that was the New England Patriots winning Super Bowl 53. Welcome into the show, guys. It's Views from the Sideline. February 5th, 2019. The NFL season is over. And yet again, the New England Patriots are champions. Not one. Not two. Not two. Not even three. What's what after three, Joey? What's is, after what about three? four? What about four? Four. What's after that? Five? Not even five. Six rings, ladies and gentlemen. Goat status. Remember when this guy said the Patriots had no chance of winning round one in the playoffs? Yeah. Yeah. Because Man, that's what it that like. tune. Huh? That's exactly what it looked like. <laughs> You just believe they they became a new team in no, the playoffs, the and here's I admire thing. that. Here's the thing: they didn't become a new team. They played better. They have more playoff capable players than regular season players than any other team. Brady's a playoff. He's a playoff guy. Belichick's a playoff guy. Gronk's a playoff player. Edelman's going to turn it up in the playoffs. The Rams have a lot of regular season guys. They got a lot of young guys too. That's another thing too. That's why coach. when I, when I predicted. Uh, the Patriots to win. I think we all didn't we all pick the Patriots to win. Yeah, I I thought Sean McVay is what thirty three years old. He's a young coach. He's phenomenal, but he's going to have to go through some bumps in the road to become one of the best. Which I think he'll get there one day. But going up against Belichick and Brady, it was gonna, it was a tough task for him to to do, and the Patriots got it done. Uh so they won thirteen to three in a very exciting offensive game that was just explosive in every single quarter, every single facet. Isn't this the low, lowest scoring Super Bowl ever? Lowest scoring Super Bowl Wait, ever. Wait, we're talking about and, this Super Bowl? Yeah. yeah. And uh, the, the, I was watching so a it is, game. So it lowest is, ratings in the past 10 years, too, which is... Yeah, yep, it's the lowest rating in the past 10 years. Lowest scoring Super Bowl ever. Was this the most boring Super Bowl Ever. Yes. First, I'm I'm gonna go with the overall Super Bowl experience first because okay. this this was a weird year. the The commercials weren't strong. I feel like the we see that every year. The they've they've been the commercials have been fading for a while. I've, there lie. have been at least two or three commercials every year that I think are really really good. And the, uh, well, this the other year, problem... there's not one commercial I can remember. Honestly, there's not one memorable commercial from this Sunday. But the other problem with commercials is like. With the internet these days, they play them a week prior, and you know what all the commercials are. And well, then, they preview them a week prior. Right, and then you're like, I've What's seen the this point? before. Yeah. And I, honestly, the previews for the commercials were more exciting than the actual commercials right. this Sunday. They had the halftime show, eh. Maroon 5 has a few hits, but... What about eh. Travis Scott? He yeah, was it terrible. should have been the SpongeBob tribute. Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah of, they ruined it. A lot of letdowns, but 
As a football nerd, I appreciate this 13-3 game. You say you appreciate it? I appreciate it. No. Bill Belichick's Why? best coaching performance since what he did as a coordinator in 1990 when the Giants beat the Bills. Yeah, that's, that's how that, a lot of that, people that, feel. That's, that's, the people agree, that's the, people how many feel. people agree with you right Most there. people feel that way. The Super Bowl, I, I think you both can agree on me with this. The Super Bowl is really mainly a general football fan event. Yeah, for sure. Football fanatics, they pay attention all all day, every day, regular season, every single game. Super Bowl, that's when everybody comes together and watches. Of Fair course, point. this was Fair extremely point. boring. This, this was a general football fans all come together. Oh, they know Tom Brady. They don't know Sean McVay. They they only know about Todd Gurley because of fantasy football and eh, they know point, about but, the Rams because of L.A. Yeah, they they don't they don't appreciate coaching down to to what it they, going into halftime. It was three nothing. General fans are like, oh, this game sucks. Let's turn it off. So to, me, I said Belichick knows exactly what he's doing right now, and this is this is a genius at work. That's what I was noticing. So. You're saying to football nerds like yourself, this was a very exciting football game. This is not this not, is not boring. I, not exciting, but you could appreciate what was going on. Okay, so for the general fan, oh, it sucked because I turned <laughs> because I turned this game off. I'll be 100 percent honest. After halftime, what point, what point did you turn uh, off? after halftime that uh, they didn't play sweet victory all the way through, and a lot of people argued, how could they not get our? You know, they have to get copyright. They that. didn't even play Sweet Come on. They just played Super Bowl. They could have the gotten that. Um, that would have made halftime for me, but it didn't, and they turned it off right as Sickle Mode started, and I was very disappointed. So early in the third quarter, I decided to turn it off, and I didn't finish the Super Bowl. I'll be 100% honest, and that's the first time in a long time that I have not watched it. You so, missed another game-winning drive. For the general fan, because I understand kind of what you're saying, um, but I didn't feel like it was a super, like, I didn't feel like Belichick was so good to the point that, like, that's what was why the game turned out so low scoring. And I, I like, I feel like he was a part of it, but so for the general fan, let us know exactly what you saw Belichick do that made it appreciated so that other people can know. Well, a coach on Belichick's level First of all, it's one of the main reasons why we picked the Patriots in this game. Sean McVay is 33. Bill Belichick is 66. Not only an age gap, Belichick has Super Bowls. Belichick has been around. He's been in the NFL coaching since the late 70s, early 80s. His level of intelligence in this game is just far ahead of what Sean McVay has, who right now is one of the most, he's the young, hot guy in coaching that's coming for everybody, which is exciting. People expected L.A. to put up a whole bunch of points Bill Belichick came in with a game plan that shut that down. And with a coach of that stature going against a coach that is in his first Super Bowl and is just experiencing all of this winning and all of this excitement, you can short circuit. You can rethink things in the middle of a game and you can completely mess up what your team has been doing all year that has made you who you are, which is an explosive team that puts points on the board. You run through Todd Gurley and then you go through play action with Jared Goff, an extremely accurate quarterback who was also in his in his first Super Bowl and looked like a young quarterback in his first Super Bowl. So experience, that high-level intelligence rules in the end. Sean McVay wasn't ready. Jared Goff wasn't ready. Everybody was going back and forth on the Todd Gurley healthy, unhealthy thing. He wasn't healthy. Yeah. He wasn't healthy. Let's just call so, it how it is. She, giving him 25 carries – wouldn't have been the best thing because it still wouldn't have led to much. Yeah, I mean, it's it just showed the level at which Tom Brady and Bill Belichick function on. Even though Tom Brady didn't have a good game, honestly, but when it came down to it, Tom Brady said, I'm going to win this. Four plays, give it to Sonny Michelle, touchdown, and that pretty much wrapped it up. Let me ask you guys, both. this is an open-ended question for both of you guys. What is the significance of Tom Brady winning ring number six. What does it mean? What's the significance to him as a player and his legacy? What is the significance to the sport of the of football? Um well for football, I think it makes him, you know, we talk we talk about goats in basketball all the time, and as, there's always a lot of debate these days, but I think in football, 
I think Tom Brady has sealed his position as the GOAT. And if, as far as sports goes, he's one of the best winners of all time. Um, probably in the top five. I don't know my list. I'd have to, we'd have to think about it, but for sure you could put him in the top five as far as winners go. That's a great show idea, by the way, Joe. Yeah. Just athletes, sports. Top five winners, winners. coming soon this summer. Yeah. Yes. When we have our coming. summer countdowns, yeah, for sure. But yeah, it just, it's a big thing for football, um, for his legacy, obviously, and it, it is a big thing for sports, too. Malik? I echo everything he just said, plus... What a cop-out. Let me just I'm call it how it is. What a cop-out. I'm going to continue. Thank you very much. <clears throat> so, <laughs> before Tom Brady hit this six rings, the only person that was at five was Charles Haley. And he, was, he wasn't he was a journeyman defensive end, but he was a defensive end, won three with the 49ers in their heyday, then won two with the Cowboys at their highest point. A guy that won five with two different teams. A lot of football fans don't even know who Charles Haley is. That, that shows how much <clears throat> the significance of one guy winning at the highest level like so many times in the NFL. A lot of people don't even know the name of Charles Haley. He was at the top with five. And then you have, in terms of franchises, the fact that Pittsburgh had five Super Bowls was huge. When they won five, when Jerome Bettis, I mean, actually it was it was six that they got. It was the one for the thumb when they when Pittsburgh won the Super Bowl in 2005. So, yeah, individual winning has never been at this high of a level, and it never has been recognized at this high of a level. So Tom Brady has set new ground. This is a level that, will be chased for years upon years. We, we might not see another quarterback do this in our lifetime. Tom Brady is special. He's in a different category. We haven't seen a quarterback accomplish stuff like this, and it's, it's, it's just different. Uh, we He's t- a different type of person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we talk about how I think we can all agree that Tom Brady is greatest of all time at the position of quarterback and football player overall. We can all agree on that. Can we agree that Bill Belichick is the greatest NFL coach of all time? I think at this point, yes. Yeah, I, w- I would think so too. Do you guys have anybody else that you'd throw up there with them? That, I mean, uh, that if, if there's any debate? If there's any debate. Honestly, I, at this point, I don't think there's a debate. There's, it's there's clear no cut. coach you can put over him at this point. What he's done with the New England Patriots weren't a legendary historic franchise in the NFL. Yeah, until now. What he did taking over, he got his head coaching opportunities with the Cleveland Browns. He did a solid job there. Yeah, he, a, a week with the Jets. Yeah, a week with the out. Jets left there. People weren't sure about Bill Belichick. He takes over a franchise that Bill Parcells took them to a Super Bowl. He's been he's been in the conversation of top 3 all time for years. He takes over pretty much. He had been riding Bill Parcells coattails for years, honestly. He was his understudy. People questioned if Bill Belichick could jump over him. What he he took over this franchise in his second year as their head coach, beat the greatest show on turf, a team that they had no business beating in the St. Louis Rams. And ever since then, it's been year in, year out domination in the NFC East. They're expected to almost make the Super Bowl every year, and I don't think any coach has done something like that. Besides what Bill Walsh with the 49ers in the 80s, you expected them to be in the Super Bowl all the time. Bill Walsh is pretty much top five, maybe top three, but yeah, I don't think any other coach has can touch Bill Belichick now. Do you guys have anything else you want to add in as we recap the Super Bowl here? Uh, I mean, I think we touched on most things. Brady, Belichick, boring game, football nerds liked it. How will the Rams respond next year after this? That's, that's I a, think that's they're a good pro- honestly. Me. I mean, we have to wait to see how the off season shakes out. To me, they're my prime candidate to uh, win the Super Bowl next year. I, I'm honestly not sure about that because this showed McVeigh, as young as he is, and Jared Goff as young as he is, they weren't ready at all for this moment. But I think that's will, will, fuel will them. Though. Will a year difference change everything? I think so. They're, they're they're still extreme. They still have so much learning to do. But here's the thing. That team is so much more talented than the Patriots. The Patriots they just are. outworked them, outsmarted them. Yeah. 
And if you're the Rams looking at yourselves, you're like, we just have to have a better mindset. And I think that's the biggest key, a better mindset going into things. Now you're more prepared. Now you know what the stage is like. Now you know playing these big-time games. Super Bowl is different than the uh, AFC or NFC yeah. championship game. It really is. It's a different It's a different type of field. But, um, yeah, that's why I think the Rams are, are primed next year. for. I feel like that was the biggest disappointment for me is that not only was this game low scoring, but it just felt like the Rams had literally no energy. You're in the biggest game of your life, and you're just out there walking around. Just, the defense had they, they looked the, drained. The, the, the offense looked lost. Immediately. Me, the offense looked lost. Pressure. Which is sad because, like I said, this is the biggest yeah. stage in football. This is where so many guys wish they could be right now. And it's like they didn't put anything into it. And I know, like, it's hard going up against the Patriots. Let's not deny that. But this is your time to go against them and say, hey, we can beat these guys. And they just never showed it. And that's that's part of the reason that I didn't like this game at all is is not necessarily like it didn't feel like both teams were making big stops and it was like a so dominantly defensive game. It just seemed like there was no energy involved in one of the bigger game, the biggest game of the year. Yeah, um, well, that's going to do it. Let's wrap this baby up and move on to college basketball. Lions to the playoffs next year. I was just going to say the Lions are no threat to the Rams, so they don't have to worry about Detroit. Super Bowl 54, Detroit Lions. Belichick did say the Lions played a significant role in how they beat the Rams. Yeah. Super Bowl 54. (laughs) Because Brock wouldn't go to Detroit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Huge role. Um, Anyways, let's let's transition to uh, the only two good teams in the state. The Michigan Wolverines and the Michigan State Spartans. Are Start they? With, yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Are they, though? By the standards of state of Michigan sports, this these are these guys are far and above. Um, Michigan dropped in the rankings. They're down to number seven now uh, following a loss at Iowa. Probably the worst loss of the year. Um, 74-59. That's tough. What went wrong there, Malik? What went wrong was... Well, first thing is they they don't have the defensive intensity they showed early in the season. And I don't know if it's a thing of them just being drained as a team or overworking. I'm not 100% sure. I'm pretty sure it's not overworking because Beeline is intelligent and knows exactly what buttons to press and what to do with his team. But there are certain arenas, certain places you play at. When you go on the road in the Big Ten – Certain places that just that are just uncomfortable. The home team has an advantage. I think Iowa is one of those teams. And another thing is they have a quality team right now. They're another ranked Big Ten team that could make the tournament out of the predicted seven or eight teams that could make the tournament out of the Big Ten. But Iowa, they had it going from the beginning. Their system on offense worked. Their main players had it going from the beginning. Fran McCaffrey had an idea of putting all of Michigan's um, big men on their best player and Tyler cook. Who's uh, their power forward, big athletic skilled guy. Every time, every time they singled up Tyler cook in one of Michigan's big men, it ended up in a foul and that got Teske in a foul trouble quickly livers in a foul trouble quickly. And then you have to start shuffling with rotations that messed up the offensive and defensive flow. And then there was also Iowa's offensive execution was off the charts in this game. Not only were they executing at a high level, they were hitting the tough shots. Everything, every player had it going. I think their sixth man had a career high of like 10 or 11 points going into this game. He ended with like 16 and 11, shooting like seven of eight shooting. Everybody had everything going. Their confidence was sky high. Iowa just had it going, and there was no stopping. Every time Michigan, there were a few times in the second half where they had runs where they get within six or seven points. Iowa would punch right back with two straight threes or and ones. There was, there was no stopping Iowa in this game. They just played maybe their best game of the season. Joey, are you concerned for the Wolverines after, what, two losses in their last six, seven games? Um, I'm getting a little, just a little bit concerned. Uh, mostly the way that they're losing it it seems like for the most part that they if they get punched in the mouth right at the beginning of the game they're done 
they seem to struggle a lot coming back. And, I mean, we've seen them, kind of like Malik said, they, they tried to make a comeback against Iowa. But something about them being down and not being able to completely lock down a team on defense from behind. That and offensive droughts. Yeah, is a little bit concerning. And Charles Matthews Charles Matthews. Charles Matthews <laughs> he, was awful yeah, in this game. It's something wrong. I think, right what, now, did he think. finish like one of ten or something? He, he was like two of he He hit a few shots in the second half when okay. it's like, Started to not matter. Yeah, it was it was he bad. Was, he was old ten from, and the he's start. the guy that I previously said I needed him to step up. So he still needs to step up. He he took more shots, I guess, this game, but they weren't good, and it it just didn't look so good. So I they need to get back down to their cores of playing hard defense, getting transition buckets, and setting up their offense well. Um, and it looks like right now they need to get off to a good start. Um. It seems like a lot of these games, when they get going, nobody in the country can beat them. But if they fall behind early, they struggle a little bit. So that's a little bit concerning that they can't necessarily come back from things because we know that in the tournament, teams are going to be coming ready to play. They can come back, but it's it's hard. Right, that's what teams. I mean. They, yeah. they, they kind of struggle. Certain matchups, it'll be a lot harder to come back. Right, especially tournament time. What about MSU? We talked last week about the Purdue loss, that was big. And we were a little bit concerned because they did not look good in that game at all. They follow that up with a 79-75 loss at Indiana, or at home against Indiana. That's the worst loss of the season between both of those teams. I don't think so. What's worse? Michigan just losing to Iowa was worse. No. No. <laughs> yeah, it was. No. They got Michigan got no. beat by a good amount. State Get barely it. lost to Indiana, and Indiana's we already know a, that Indiana is a good team. Come on now. Joe, we Joe, know that Joe. Indiana is a good we know, team. We know they're a talented team. They almost that beat Michigan. Good they almost beat Michigan. Joe. So they, that's they a telltale really sign almost, right they there. They really almost beat Michigan. Yes, they did. That first matchup, Hold Michigan on. was in control. Here's, the second matchup, Indiana were, didn't Joey, show up. They, they were close. They are a very talented team that shows signs of a good team. That's what I'm saying. So that's a team that you always have to look out for. But here's the thing. They're they're on a seven-game losing streak at the Purdue time. Purdue was playing terrible, too. And now look where they're going. They're going the opposite direction. Indiana has one of the better players in the country in Romeo Langford. Who is up and down completely Exactly, the and with him being up and down, that's how that team rolls. I don't think I don't think that a four-point loss... Even, but Romeo didn't even have that great of a game. Yeah, he had 19 right. points, but he was shot 6 of 18 from the floor, so it's not him being the... Exactly, so that even factor. shows you even more that that team is better than they're performing. So to only, They can be better than they They only won by four points, and as we've seen, Michigan State has struggled in a lot of games. Michigan State has also dominated a lot of games but in a lot thing, of different other games. Too. Michigan this State. Is, this is no way the worst loss between the two teams. Yes, it is. There's no way. Yes, it they is. They did it at home, too. Iowa, no. Iowa is a it's much a, better a team four than point Indiana. Loss. You guys say it all the time. The Big Ten is a tough it is. conference. It is. It is. So a how tough is a four-point loss to a tough it's team? It's because of the situations the teams are in yes. right now. Michigan State, everybody thought that Purdue loss, that means nothing. They're just going to roll after this. Indiana's then, coming off a seven-game losing streak and looks awful. They have no momentum of anything. And they got Michigan, everything to go Michigan against Michigan State should have just moved through this game. That's And it was a home game. That's that's another big thing. This, <laughs> I don't think a four-point loss a is home, a bad problem. It's not the fact and that it's a four-point loss. They're a concerning loss. team, but it's, it's not the definitely, fact that it's a four-point loss. You cannot say that it's the worst loss between those teams. To this lose four was, by four. Then you add in the fact Indiana. that Langford is out for the season. If Nick Ward doesn't score, he's he's looking useless. If Matt McQuaid doesn't score, he doesn't have much of a factor. Cassius Winston isn't a guy that can just go get buckets when you need him to. This is concerning. Yeah, the team is concerning. That's their the, problem. It's, a, it's, a, it's not an it's Indiana a, it's a problem. Loss. It's a Michigan State problem. It is. So it's not but their worst loss I think because they're having all these loss. issues. It's a worse loss. No, I don't think so. I was just enjoy- I was just enjoying it. I was just in back watching <laughs> you guys go loss, at it. Man. I don't think Joey was getting a little heated. His face was getting red. He was about he was as soon as we said it was the worst loss of the year. He was it's also red. very warm in here, to be honest. <laughs> Excuses. Um, yeah, like you touched on though, uh, Langford's out for the year. That's a big blow to MSU. Uh, and Nick Ward, we talked about this I think a couple weeks ago about how he needs to start stepping up, and. Uh, he needs to start crashing the glass. That's not happening. It seems like if he doesn't have any of his offensive flow to start the game, 
he doesn't have that effort to finish the game. And that's probably my biggest concern for MSU because if MSU is going to do very much this year, they need the best Nick Ward they can get. Yes. Um, also, yeah. if Kenny Goins didn't have a career game, that, that game wouldn't have gone to overtime. Kenny Goins finished with like 14, 8, 6, 8, just, and 4. <laughs> just going back to it, when they lost to Purdue by 10, Carson Edwards had a terrible game. And yeah. the rest of these games, like Purdue, if Purdue doesn't get off the floor with Carson Edwards, they're a terrible team. But they won by 10 against Michigan State in this game. So it's different. And, Car- and Cassius Winston had a great game against Purdue, and they playing still lost. Playing at Purdue is a lot tougher than playing at home against a seven game losing streak, Indiana. That is a different, that's a different game. It's a team that was ranked early in the season. Yeah, because everybody goes coming into the season, everybody expected them to be a top four Big Ten team. But that things change throughout a season. Talent doesn't mean you're a great team. They're really young and they have a lot to learn. Joe, no response? I just don't think it's the worst loss of the season between the two teams. <laughs> all right. Uh, I don't I don't have much more to say. Yeah, let's let's move on. Uh that's really all we wanted to talk about for MSU. Uh both teams gotta step up this coming week. Um, they've been struggling, ironically, both struggling at the same time. And we're still looking forward to that Michigan MSU game later on in the year. That's still going to be one of the better games of the year in college basketball. Let's transition to our NBA trade deadline primer. The NBA trade deadline is happening this Thursday. What is that? That is going to be February 7th at 3 p.m. Eastern standard time. We've already had some trades. After we went off the air last week, probably one of the biggest surprise trades I've seen in a very long time, and it developed very quickly on social media, on uh, all the sports channels. Kristaps Porzingis, his time in New York, it's over. He was officially traded to Dallas last week. Uh, the Mavs acquired Porzingis along with uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. and uh, Trey Burke, two Michigan grads. Uh, Michigan basketball grads, um, and Courtney Lee in that deal as well. Knicks acquired Dennis Smith Jr., DeAndre Jordan and his expiring contract, Wesley Matthews and his expiring contract, as well as two first-round picks. And the one thing that has to be noted in this deal, this also opens up uh, the Knicks and free agency this coming summer where they can sign two max free agents. So it's either the Knicks are just hedging their bets. Okay, we got a young point guard now. And we have two max slots, so that might be attractive to KD. Or they might have a little intel, like KD really wants to come here. Make sure you're ready. Make sure you have another spot for a superstar. What is your first reactions when you guys heard about this trade breaking last week? Uh, I'll go Joey first, and we'll hit Malik. Um, my gut reaction was that I can't believe the Knicks are blowing their future again. And I felt like the Mavericks made a really good deal. But going back on it, I think it makes sense for both teams. It seemed like uh, the Knicks were not really sure about Porzingis' future with the Knicks. I think a lot because of health problems. They're not sure if he can maybe get it done. So they're trying to hedge their bets right now and go all in for this free agency thing. And yeah, I'm kind of with you that maybe they feel that Kevin Durant has given given them enough to say that he wants to come to New York. Now... The question is, can they get another guy that there, is a top tier, not like the Jimmy Butler? Yeah, yeah. Wait, not a Jimmy Butler? Jimmy Butler, I think, I is don't, top tier. Right, but I don't th- like. I think they need the top guys to be able to do something. Like they can't do. I don't think they can do Kevin Durant and Jimmy Butler. I think they need the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I was gonna say, do you think the Knicks front office thinks they have a chance at Kyrie with all that? interesting stuff that leaked out that he is not fully committed to Boston. Do you think that's the duo they're going for this summer? I would think so. It's the one can, that everybody talks about. Kyrie is a New York kid. And they can still flip Dennis Smith in the summer and get a lot of value back from him. Right. He's, he's that still roster. a former lottery pick. So, yep. Malik, what was your initial reaction to this tra- this surprising trade? My initial reaction, I was completely shocked that they gave up on the Chris Tapps Porzingis experiment so fast, but the fact is, he didn't want to be there anymore, and parting ways—that is, yeah—that's a big yeah, factor. Too. Parting ways was probably the smartest thing that could have happened quick because it could have ended uh, in an ugly situation. Yeah, but at this point, 
there are two things that I feel about the Knicks. First of all, I kind of feel sorry for them because I mean, we always they they are a franchise that just lives by their name, New York. This the New York is is the is the reason why everybody it shows what awful ownership does to a franchise. It's the reason it's happening in Detroit right now. It's the reason why there's such a high profile franchise. And at this point, they they are a franchise that if they don't get two big free agents, they're completely hedging their bets for this summer. Yeah. If this if they don't acquire two star players, I won't say Kevin Durant. Let's just say two of those top tier free agents. They lost this trade heavily. Exactly. Yes, you exactly. get two. They get two first round picks, which is nice. But of Chris Stapp's Porzingis stature, that's not enough value. You're you're stuck in a rut for maybe another. What five or six years if oh, you don't yeah. if you don't Big get time. these free agents? Big but that's a, which is I, just another step back. I think that's the biggest that problem is that if they don't get Kevin Durant, they're they're still not going to be enough. I, I they'll I get more of a talk. I think it'll be enough because the East is that bad. No, nah. no, nah. we're seeing it right now that the East is doing fine. Other than the top, you think four, like if they get Kyrie, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, Kyrie and Kyrie Irving in that roster, and they settle in the playoffs. If they don't if get, they get KD, they're gonna have to settle for Kyrie and Jimmy Butler. Yeah, that's a top five team in the Eastern Conference. That's not a top five team. In the yes, Eastern it is. Conference. Them two in that the roster. Sixers, is not a top five the Sixers, the Sixers are well, barely other moves that are gonna be made. The Sixers are barely a top five team, and they have more than that. See, I I think if Jimmy leaves Philly, goes to New York, it's a huge blow to Philly. No, it obviously is, and but it change, doesn't and New York's, put New York over. I think New York's right there with Philly then. Who I do mean, they have? We're all talking in theatrics right, right. now. But, but who, do, who else do they have? Who else do they but, even get? I know there is a little bit they, on their draft pick. They still have potential, yeah, a top five pick coming. Brooklyn uh, is ahead of New York right now by accident. I, I, You mean next year if they got two players? No, I'm, I disagree I'm, with I'm, that. I'm, say, I'm just saying the point that right now Brooklyn is ahead yeah. of New York by accident. Brooklyn has done, yeah. side note, uh, while we transition away from this, Brooklyn has done an absolutely fantastic job rebuilding the mess left by Billy King in that front office. Yeah, D'Angelo Russell, first off, congrats to him to being an all-star. Yeah, Well-deserved. Sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. They deserved an all-star. They got it. Um, but, I'm all on board for Kenny Atkinson to coach the all-star game, even though it's not going to happen because you got to be the one seed to coach in the all-star game. But, man, Brooklyn, what a story this year. Yeah, my, my And they s- could steal a free agent. They could. They have a they have a max free agency. And spot. that's that's people are starting to bring that up is that they could be one of those people that plays spoiler to these teams, especially a team like the Knicks. The most attractive thing about this deal to me personally as an NBA fan, the Euro duo. And Dirk also teaching Kristaps Porzingis. That's awesome as an NBA nerd. Uh Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis are instantly my favorite duo in the NBA. And you can duo. already they already love the the fact that they're oh together my on God. a team. This team is going to be so much fun to they watch. They are when step brothers in real life. They became they just became best friends. <laughs> I already was on the Lucas the greatest of all time bandwagon, and I'm still got to this day. Lucas the greatest. All t- he's going to be the is, clip it. Not is going to. <laughs> um, and now he's got a partner partner in crime, Kristaps Porzingis, to follow up in Dirk's yeah. footsteps. Man, and it's just an exciting time in Dallas. You mentioned my second point that I was going to say about the yeah. Knicks. I feel sorry for them, but everything they've done in the past 20 years is their fault. Yeah. Every single thing they've done the past 20, it's all on them. Yeah. Management is the worst enemy of the New York Knicks. Until Dolan sells sells the team, this team's not going to win anything. Um, Let's get to the other trade that happened uh, of some significance. The Cleveland Cavaliers acquired Nick Stauskas, Wade Baldwin, and two second-round picks uh, while shipping out Rodney Hood to the Portland Trailblazers. Blazers get some more perimeter help in Rodney Hood. Wade Baldwin has been a bust. Stauskas has had a, a revival season, which he's been playing really well, and they gave up two second-round picks for the Blazers. They're just trying to go all in with this Lillard, McCollum backcourt, adding more help for a playoff run. What do you guys think of that that deal? I, it doesn't move the needle for me, but I think it's a good it's a good acquirement for Portland and for Cleveland to sell off on a piece they didn't have an interest in keeping. In my opinion... For Portland, it's just it's they're acquiring the same level of player that they always acquire through free agency or trade. This I I would be shocked if them getting Rodney Hood made a huge difference. I don't expect it to make a huge difference. There'll probably be another first or second round team that doesn't do much. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna make Cleveland huge getting more picks, that's good for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with games. Yeah. I mean, 
you add Rodney Hood, they have Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, Alfaruk Aminu. He they're, fits right in. They're all that. very similar. They're all yeah. small forwards that have not really made it, but they have a little bit of a role in different spots. I thought Rodney Hood was going to be better on Cleveland. So did I. So I thought that this trade would have been even better if it was before I saw him play for Cleveland and he struggled a lot. You know, maybe you get another move. Maybe he revitalizes himself back to his Utah J days. But I thought he was going to, I remember, what was it, two years ago before he got traded to Cleveland? I thought Rodney Hood was going to have a bounce back season and was primed for a most improved player of the year. He was that type of player. He had that type of hype coming into the 16 17 season. Uh, let's move on, though. This is not an NBA, uh, this is not a trade deadline note, but it is of some significance. John Wall had surgery today to repair a torn Achilles tendon, which shocked a lot of people because his injury he had surgery on prior to was a knee injury. Well, it came out that John Wall slipped and fell at his home while rehabbing this knee injury, which also got infected that was going to add more timetable recovery for John Wall. So he slips, falls, tears his Achilles, has surgery today for that. He's out at least... 12 months without any basketball activities. He's the worst contract in the NBA. Wizards have a problem on their hands if they didn't have one before. They could have moved him earlier. And that's they, unfortunate. They cannot now. There is, I think this is the most untradeable contract I've seen in a long time. And it's unfortunate for both sides. Um, it shows that professional athletes are humans. That they can slip and fall just like I do every morning. Um, but you don't tear your Achilles. No, that's true, thankfully. But it also hurts for the Wizards because obviously now they're stuck with him. And as far as we know, we've seen it in the past, Achilles injuries are hard to come back from. And we've, John Wall is... We've said it multiple times. Known for his burst and his speed, and that's going to take yep. it away. We saw what it did to Brandon Jennings. And he's already getting older. We saw Brandon Jennings make a slight comeback, a little Very bit. Very slight. He's out of the NBA now, but, so. Like for John Wall, he's at that age. It's going to take a year of recovery, at least, before a year he can of start. bouncing back. And then it's going to take at least Some another months. six months of just rehabbing and getting into basketball stuff. And then who knows how long after that to get him there? He's going to be up there in age and he's not going to have the same movements. Honestly, I might say that his career is over. With this Dang. one, I don't know if that's a Joey, hot take. That, or not. that is a you don't hot know take. That's <laughs> hot, Joe. Hot that's do we, hot. Do we, have, do we have any Joey hot takes sound effects? Oh my! Do we have any? Do we have Joey hot takes? Sound that's the hottest know. take. That, that's the hottest take of 2019 so far. Son, I'm just gonna tell you this one time. Yes. You want to keep working here? Stay <laughs> off the drugs. It's the hottest take of 2019 so far. I don't that know was hot, Joe. I don't know if it's that hot. No, that was hot. In my a career career ending, that's that's hot. At the but, age I mean, of he what, might 28? he might still play, but might not be the same. Yeah. He's gonna be on on the ways of over thirty, and yeah, not gonna have most of his game that he's used to. All right, let's talk about the big story and the deadline. I know you guys probably haven't heard of it at all. Anthony Davis is likely getting traded, whether it's a deadline or in the off season. Trade talk update. The Lakers and Pelicans have had multiple conversations. Lakers have offered everything. I just I just heard a rumor before we started the show. What's that? I think I heard the Pelicans want Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar along oh, yeah. with those six or eight picks too. I heard they wanted a the banner end. too. Exactly. One of those championships. Yeah. Yeah. Should they consider it? Maybe consider Maybe it. The banner is quite appealing. They might know. want to think about it. Uh, but anyways. I don't know if Kareem's as good as he used to be. It's a symbol, Joe. It's a symbol of hope. Um, but yeah, so the Lakers have offered Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Rajon Rondo, Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, I think was in there too. Michael Beasley, Michael, Be- Michael Beasley, and they'd get Anthony Davis and take back Solomon Hill's contract along with also shipping out two first round picks and two second rounds and two second rounds. That's not enough for the Pelicans. The Pelicans nah, they, they said nah. no, they want not four first round picks. And two second-round picks, at least, on top of everything else they're getting. Yeah. See you in the summer. That's basically what this <laughs> This is basically becoming. Uh, right, a, a, hold a, hold a, on, hold on. We, we'll just trust the Lakers, that you're coming. The, 
the Lakers LA. have now pulled out of the trade talks, and they're waiting for the Pelicans to make a counteroffer. I want the Pelicans to come back and say we want LeBron. <laughs> that that would be if they came back and said that. That would be the funny. That would they're be just, the Woj bomb of the year. They're trolling the fans. They're trolling doesn't he have the a no NBA. trade clause in his contract though? Probably. There's no way LeBron hey, doesn't have a no trade. If clause. I worked in the New Orleans organization, I'd pay good money to see Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka sweat. Yeah. Also, yeah, I seeing a video of them sitting at a conference Especially, table, just quiet, well, staring at each other. That'd be amazing. Well, here's the thing, too. <laughs> what do we do? There's been so much corruption, uh, or not corruption is the wrong word I'm looking Collusion. for. Collusion, Collusion, yeah. I think, is the right word I'm looking for. Not corruption between the agents and between agents, players, and teams this season, and it's probably the most talked about underlining factor in the NBA season so far. There's a lot of grudges going on, and this is just grudge oriented between Pelicans front office and the Lakers front office because LeBron had a sit-down dinner with Anthony Davis post-game. Mm-hmm. He, Anthony Davis hired Rich Paul last offseason. That's ironic. Had dinner with LeBron. That's ironic. And then a couple weeks later, I went out of New Orleans. Listen, yep. this, this is just the beginning. I hope the NBA realizes that. The players have their ultimate level of power right now. And it's like no other yeah. league in the in, in the United States, in the country. Guys like, no other league, guys actually, like, even the world. Guys actually, like Rich Paul not, can control trades now. Rich, it's not just NBA. You can be outside of the league and still control stuff. Adam Silver has to be stressing this right now. Oh, I'm sure he, he has is. to be because they're losing control this is one of while the, outside forces are gaining it minute by minute. This is one of the bigger issues the NBA has seen in a little bit. Even though I don't think it's talked about as much because the NBA is trying to keep it under wraps as much as possible. And what can they do about it, honestly? There's not much because you can't. Times have changed. Without, they'd have to go, they'd have to go back to the new collective bargaining agreement and change stuff. They can't because it's, it's in the documentation that players are allowed to talk to players. I mean, and I don't think that's going to change. No. The funniest part is that it's like the Lakers are, you know, the, the Lakers really, they really like Anthony Davis and the Pelicans. And uh, they they send them out send them out a text late at night and they're like, hey, what's up, Pelicans? Leave. <laughs> what's up? And then all you see on your phone is red. <laughs> That's literally what it's like. Oh man, the Pelicans! Yeah, yeah, they're so they're having fun right now. Do you guys they're having think, a great time? Do you guys think by February seventh, three p.m., Anthony Davis is a Laker? No. There's, there's Joey. No look at Joey's face. Look at his. I face. don't know. He's thinking that what? Yeah. he throws Zubak in there and we're good. Listen, <laughs> see, I think it's done. <laughs> Throw in Zubak. I think I think plus it's done. five. Play. Listen, what kind of absurd deal do you think Magic Johnson is going to cave in and throw? Well, I think they'll set on three first round picks. Magic Johnson is in the hottest seat in probably NBA history. <laughs> to be a hundred percent honest, well, this is going to be one of the this is one of the biggest trade scenarios in NBA history. This is one of the biggest. Players ever moved in NBA history. How do you because think LeBron would would react to four of his young guys being traded? He doesn't care. Three. He wants yeah, Anthony he Davis. Doesn't he doesn't care. Honestly, yeah, that's a good point. That, why do you, what do you think they talked about it? But if Magic Johnson doesn't get this done, what does that say about and his, Anthony goes somewhere else? His reign and this whole LeBron scenario. Well, with the Pelicans playing around like this, you but can't no, really. No, get but, but, but right. Here's, but here's I'm, the thing. I'm just saying, if he, said, he doesn't get it done. Yes, to piggyback on your what you're saying right now, Joe. Well, he, he that is the waited. reason why he's there. Well, here's the thing. Magic waited. He's like, I'm not going to give stuff up for Paul George because he's coming in the summer. That didn't happen. He right. struck out big time. I'm not going to give up anything and trade for Kawhi. Sounds like Kawhi wants to go to the Clippers or might stay in Toronto. Another strikeout. If he doesn't give up everything for Anthony Davis, there is a chance Davis does not come to L.A., and that is a huge blow to Magic Johnson, and I think does play a huge effect on whether he keeps that job for as long as he might if he completes the trade. And here's part of it. Um, we talked about Anthony Davis has thrown out a couple more teams that he would prefer to re-sign with. I think that's just to cover stuff. Exactly. That's what I was going to say is that, you know, <clears throat> he put out the Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, and Knicks as teams that he would potentially re-sign with if he was traded to those. I think that's just one big ploy to get the Lakers to really say, hey, we need to do this and to make them more involved and to make it look less suspicious, I guess, is to throw other teams. That's why you put three big market teams and then the Bucks. Like, yeah, yeah. the Bucks are a good team, so it makes sense. But 
And I think yeah, or I think uh, Anthony <clears throat> would like to play with the Bucks this season. It would be more right. fun, and he'd give a chance for a championship. Yeah, but ultimately, he wants to be a Laker. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so you, Malik, saying the deal doesn't get done. Joe, are you saying yes or no? I actually think that if the deal, I still don't know. Just say yes or no, Joe. But I just want to put out no, these, no, no. these points that if if the deal goes through, I still think the Pelicans are going to end up being better than the Lakers, and the whole Lakers scenario is not going to work out. If if and, the, if the trade goes through, do you all you two think it's the biggest trade in NBA history? Yes, biggest. It, it's yes, going to have to yes, be. Yes, yes, and not player wise, but I think just the, let, the impact that is going to have over the next the, 10, 15 yes. years. And yes. I also think that it's hilarious. If a trade doesn't get done, oh yeah, to me, I think it's done. The ultimate scenario is the the trade not happening or the the trade going through. And I just lost my train of thought. Let's move on. Never mind. Well, okay. So I'll just point out real quick the the other thing too that people are starting to talk about and you have to think about is that if this doesn't get done and Anthony Davis doesn't get traded, maybe even. And then some crazy thing happens later that he gets traded in the offseason, obviously. Um, and then he's, his contract is up in 2020. If the Lakers, I mean, supposedly he wants to go to the Lakers at that point. But if he doesn't, and even if he does, you just wasted two seasons off of LeBron. And that's concerning for a lot of people. And I don't blame him. That's, that's a big concern is to lose two seasons for LeBron on this Lakers team that was supposed to make a quick turnaround. And I don't know. I think it's hilarious, though. It's an interesting scenario to keep an eye on. And what's funny is during Super Bowl week, all everybody everybody was talking about, there was the Porzingis trade, the Anthony Davis stuff going on. The NBA ruled Super Bowl week. Look at the Pelicans keeping things heart, lighthearted. Yeah. While these <laughs> yeah. Porzingis to Dallas, that ugly ending in New York. Pelicans are like, nah, we're just going to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, moving on. I want to get your guys' opinion. There are some kind of rumors going around, but I want to get your guys' opinion on buyers, sellers, players to watch before we jump into anything or if we don't have time. What players or teams should NBA fans keep an eye on at the deadline? The Magic. The Magic? Mm -hmm. Why do you say the Magic? Uh, I still think that they are They're so on the cusp of being a decent team. Do you think they're a buyer? I'm I'm happy you said that. That is the perfect description. I'm happy you didn't say on the cusp of a playoff team. Yeah. They are on the cusp of being all right. But, but in it. the in the bottom of the east, that's a playoff team. Yeah. Um I'm I'm not sold on whether they're a buyer or a seller though, because obviously they if they can fix their point guard thing, their point guard issue, I think that'd be a big help to them. And I think that would push them maybe into that last spot in the playoffs. But if they feel like they can't get that deal done to where they can get a, a quality starting point guard, I've heard little things about people inquire, inquiring about Nikola Vucevic. And that would be really interesting because he would be a great fit for a lot of playoff teams. I wonder if that's the Lakers' backup plan. Yeah, I, I think I've heard that, is that the Lakers maybe would think about that as a and I've also Back heard uh, Orlando, because Orlando is very interesting, like you said, because they could either buy or sell. They are trying, they've had a price out there for Terrence Ross, who's kind of their best bench player. They want a first-round pick for him. There's been offers for two second-round picks. That hasn't been enough. So it'll be interesting to see if they sell off some of these guys. Evan Fournier's a name to watch, perimeter player, solid from outside. Um, Jonathan Simmons. He struggled this year, but he's another player to watch. So it's interesting to see what direction Orlando goes, and especially since they are actually in playoff contention as of right now. Right, um, Malik, what's your who's your team to watch? I'm hoping the Pistons, but let's be. <laughs> I'm hoping give me the an, Pistons. Give me a team, on, not, not the Pistons, not the Pistons. Give me a different team. Phoenix. Phoenix. Phoenix has a lot of assets that aren't adding up to much because uh, it's not really a good mix for a team. 17 small forwards, two centers, and a point guard. Yeah. They have a lot of talent that can be shipped out. And I think, yeah, there could be a move made with Phoenix. My couple teams for NBA fans to keep an eye on, my Western Conference team, the Utah Jazz. They're on the cusp of that playoff spot as well. 
I can't. I don't know if they're exactly in the playoffs right now. I can actually double check real quick. Mike Conley to Utah would be a great look for them. Mike. They've been in talks with Memphis with uh, acquiring Mike Conley, uh, centered around Ricky Rubio, R- Ricky Rubio, a younger player in a pick. Um, but nothing has come to fruition yet. Yeah, Utah's a seven seed right now. They're playing really well. I can see them buying on whether it's Mike Conley or one of my players to watch at the deadline, Tobias Harris. What way do the Clippers go? If they think they can get Kawhi Leonard and maybe another player to pair with them, that means they're going to let Tobias walk. So if you kind of have that situation in the back of your mind, you try to get value for Tobias at the deadline because he's an expiring contract and a B-level player in the NBA at one of the most desired. I give him B plus right now. He's he's come on, come on. You can't cl- give him B plus. You can't. Give I him give him B plus, man. Age 17, 18 points a game. That's 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 plus. not B plus. That's B. That's plus. Over twenty is when you get to A minus. So what's Blake at twenty five? Blake Blake is a Blake is an A player to me. All right, I just wanted to hear it from my ego, <laughs> um, from my Pistons, but yeah. So I think Tobias is an interesting name to watch. Along with that, Drew Holiday. If the Pelicans make a move and ship out Anthony Davis, I'm not sure that Drew Holiday makes it past the deadline. I know they talked about they don't want to trade him, but that's all smoke until the end of the deadline. What do you guys think about that? I feel like if they get the deal done with the Lakers, that Drew Holiday would be a perfect fit to stay there. Why is that? Because he's still a defender, and I think those young Laker guys need to learn to defend. And if Drew Holiday is somewhat of a leader there, and yeah, I can see your point, yeah. And maybe you get uh, Rondo back as a leader again. Yeah. You know, I, I think that team could be pretty good, honestly. And to your point, I think it could help mentor that team for years in the future. Yes, Drew might not be there forever. Rondo probably wouldn't be there past the season. Right. But it helps put them in the right direction, get them off on the right foot. Uh, I like that opinion. Um, well, who are your players to watch at the deadline? Either, both of you. You can't give me Anthony Davis. <laughs> right. He's an obvious one. Um, Malik, do you have somebody in mind? I'm thinking. Because before I was going to do the, I, I think I said it last week, was Damian Lillard, but that's uh, no more now that they got Ronnie Hood. Yeah. There's no way that that's happening. Um, Maybe CJ? I'd say CJ is more likely than Dame. I don't think they make a move now, though. I don't either. I think, I think they're locked in again. Man, player to watch. Player to watch. Come on, I, it can't be that hard, guys. I know, but I'm trying to think of a good one. Yes, thinking of a good one is hard. <laughs> I'm not just going to throw out a random player. All right. Kyrie Irving. I'm not sure. I said it. <laughs> Stop. Stop. <laughs> Terry Rozier. That's not exciting. <laughs> you want exciting. <laughs> That's okay. not exciting. All right. Well, I'll let Malik, Malik think about that. Joey, you think about it too since you clearly didn't give me a good answer. Um, who are your guys' biggest buyers and sellers here at the deadline? I'll give you mine. Buyer is LA because whether they add Anthony Davis or not, they're Cop adding out. some. <laughs> Fine. You called Malik right, out earlier. Right. So. Secondary buyer, the Utah Jazz. Adding to that team. Talked about them as a team to watch. They want Mike, they've been linked to Mike Conley, Tobias Harris. They're trying to make a big move to boost this team into the upper echelon of the Western Conference. Um, and my biggest seller, it's Cleveland. They're trying to sell everything. Cleveland, Chicago too. I heard Zach Levine was uh, in trade offers along with Chris Dunn. They are trying to tear that thing to the very bottom. That's my biggest buyer, my two biggest sellers. I'm going with Memphis as a seller because they're trying to start this. <clears throat> they're trying to start this rebuilding process and – they are showing it to the rest of the league, shopping their best two players, and I like that. Not sure about I, I don't want to say an obvious answer, so I'm not sure about a buyer right okay. now. Joe. Hmm. Seller. I would say the Knicks. I think the Knicks are gonna try to unload some more pieces. Um buyer. I don't know if this is true or not. I haven't even heard anything. But I just feel like the way that they're playing right now and how many different assets they seem to be accumulating just through bench players stepping up is Denver and that them being one of the better teams in the league right now. 
I don't think it's going to happen, but I wouldn't. I also wouldn't be surprised if they made something happen to maybe make a bigger push for a playoff spot. Yeah, I can see that definitely. Um, we have a couple minutes left here, so I do want to finish the show off with something linked to the Detroit Pistons at the deadline here. Uh, there's been several reports by Sporting News, ESPN, Zach Lowe about how the Pistons have been in serious discussions with Memphis on a deal centered around Reggie Jackson and Mike Conley. Mike Conley and Marcus are likely going to be moved at the deadline. Is a Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, and a pick enough to get a deal done? Because I think that's kind of the framework of a deal that would get Memphis interested. I think that's, honestly, I think that's more than enough. You get Reggie Jackson, a guy that will still, will give you quality minutes in Memphis, Luke Kennard. A uh, guy with and promising. It seems like Reggie might be turning the corner a little bit. I'm not back on the Reggie bandwagon. I'm not. I'm he not has going back increased there. his trade value recently. And I thought it was perfect timing. I'm very happy yeah. about I, that. In terms of his time in Detroit, it's over. But you put him in Memphis, I, I guarantee his his averages will go up. He'll he'll show a spark that he hasn't shown in a few years. Maybe he's too lit for Detroit. Stop. 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 As far as Luke Kennard. Stop, Joe. <laughs> he can as, go as, hang out with Joe as far as, Luke, as far as Luke Kennard, it's just another player. You Hate can, it. Another player you can take a chance on because you're trying to rebuild right now. Whether he works or not, you can just see. And also you have a pick. So that'd yeah. be good for Memphis. And then and Detroit's yeah. pick is really valuable right now. And I don't think they should give it up. I don't either. And I also don't think that they'll get that done because I think there will be better offers for Memphis. Hot take alert. I think the deal does get done, and it's a framework of something like Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, first-round pick, either Stanley Johnson or a Bruce Brown or something like that, or Langston Galloway. Wow. And then we're stuck even harder. Because they are trying to build this team during the time frame of Blake Griffin's contract. There is no rebuilding right now. No, there is zero change. That's true. Here's the thing. I'm not saying I want that trade to happen. I don't want that trade to happen. I'm saying I think that's what's going to happen. I I thought that initial offer was bad, but geez. (laughs) I'm telling you, Joe. Throw in Jermichael Green, too. That's terrifying. Yeah, I think there would be another filler coming back to Detroit. But Get ready. Please. Don't give us Marshawn Brooks. Don't send him here. Everybody in the league, please send Memphis your best offers. Don't let Detroit in this. I think it's an absolute shocker. I'd be absolutely stunned if the Pistons pass the trade deadline and have their picks still. I'd be shocked. That sounds so awful. But you, they can't, have, but you can't disagree with me. They have such a good... I know. That's why I'm <laughs> terrified. They have. They finally have like a, another solid pick. I know they haven't always turned out, but at least like it's another lottery pick. But in, in the situation this franchise is in right now, it's not like an outside of the top 10 pick. Unless you get a guy that's going to like change everything right now, it's not going to make that much they of a difference. They could get a top five pick, though. That I think in this draft... The lottery odds have changed, too, to make it more likely for teams later in the lottery to have a chance to draft. Right, but you still pick. don't want to be that far out of it. Yeah. and like it, They're so close. To, I feel like the top five in this draft are really good. It starts to fall off a little bit, but, man, that makes me nervous. Trade Drummond and get another pick. I wish. Well, that's going to do it for our show today. NBA trade deadline primer. We broke down the Super Bowl. We'll be back on the air to break down the NBA trade deadline next week. We'll see you guys next time. Wisconsin beating Michigan. They let Ethan Happ. That's the worst loss. Anthony Davis will be traded. Mike Conley will be a piston. Ethan Happ is one of the best players in the country. And they couldn't stop him. Nobody could stop him. The only guy guy they needed to stop. Sacramento Kings are on a seven-game home win streak. Good for them.